Welcome to the OKC First podcast. Together, we're learning to do three things. Friendship with God. Friendship with one another. And open friendship for the sake of the world. For more information about OKC First, please visit OKCFirst.com. Today's scripture comes from Revelation chapter 21, verses 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, See, the home of God is among mortals. He will dwell with them, they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more, for the first things have passed away. And the one who was seated on the throne said, See, I am making all things new. Also he said, Write this, for these words are trustworthy and true. Then he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water as a gift from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Oh, I love this book of the Bible, you guys. Love this book of the Bible. And I also, and I'm... uh, Perhaps you have heard, we're doing a, a new little podcast thing. Zach's help us, helping us to um, turn the volume up again with a new podcast called Unafraid, Conversations That We Will Have. And this week we talked with Tamara and was able to give voice to my cynicism that at times leaves me a little bit hard to lead in worship. Like I, I have an aversion, I would even call it an allergy, <laughs> to someone trying to hype me into worship. I just can't do it. I can't do it. If, if I feel like someone is, is trying to production value me into worship, <clears throat> I'm not likely to be able to, to worship. But if I can watch someone worship and then be caught up in, in his or her worship, then I can be led in worship. Brandon Whiteside was so good at that. I never felt like he was trying to impress anybody but God. And Tamara comes along and she too uh, just has this uncanny ability to draw us into her own Faith, and I can be led in worship by Tamara Hughes, and add to that list Chesney Johnson, as I embarrass you as you come find a seat, because, man, I just, I can be led in worship by someone that I believe is worshiping, and I just do. Thank you, Chesney, for filling in for Tamara, who is on suspension. Um, <laughs> let's leave that in, but that's a joke. That's, a, that's, that's actually a joke. We are in the the season, the season of Easter, and we are working through a series called the Book of Renovation because I I just have to tell you, that is what, not just this book of the Bible, matter of fact, right? It's not just this book of the Bible that tells us that we are supposed to be helping God fix it all, renew, restore it all, that is sort of the essence of the book of Revelation, but is also sort of the heartbeat of our faith, This is who we are. We are not people who are trying to escape this place. We are the people who are trying to help God renovate this place. 
And so uh, that being the case, as you know, I have taken the Shining to a couple of shows, and, and here's one in particular that I really, oh, I turned that off myself. Uh, here's one that I kind of like. Um, I really like main cabin masters, and what they always are doing is they're trying to find these old cabins like this one. And typically, they're doing this one thing every single time. They find a cabin that's really kind of boxy on the inside, right? Let's call it a closed floor plan. And what they're going to do every single time, it seems, is they're going to take down walls because they prefer a more open floor plan. Turns out, turns out, much of society prefers an open floor plan. Now, I know. You can still go out there and you can find online an article or two that says, no, open floor plans are bad. The closed floor plans, the more boxy style of living is better. Okay, I don't agree with that, but that's out there, right? I prefer the communal spaces, the bigger spaces, the open floor plans. I think you really ought to watch this show, so here's a little bit of a, a preview. Main Cabin Master's main motto. Watch how Work often hard. they're tearing walls out. Work harder in any weather. Any weather. Just another day in the life of main cabin masters. Turn ugly shacks into amazing cabins. <laughs> My crew is the best at what they do. Then repeat. Let's get at it. On an all-new main cabin masters, Monday, January 14th at 9, only on DIY Network. Stream live and catch up on the DIY app. We should have a Wednesday night class on having watched the main cabin masters just come kind of just do post-game on main cabin masters. I would be all for that. You are probably uh, plenty familiar with what an open floor plan would look like. We have actually asked this question, no, not seriously around here, but what might it look like to get all the staff in one larger area, me included, all in one larger area. We can all kind of work and collaborate together. There's something good about an open floor plan. There's also something that's also kind of fun about accomplishing a more open floor plan. You can turn the sound down a little bit on this one, Richard. This is just a, a quick video of people opening up the walls. There is something kind of fun about the demolition process, but we do this because we all kind of feel in some sense, at least again, most of us who enjoy living spaces, it'd be nicer if it was more open if some walls could be brought down. If you could just bring a few walls down, we could have, again, a space where there could be more people, more community, let's say, more collaboration, more being together. I would submit to you that God prefers open floor plans. I would submit to you that from the beginning, and by the beginning I mean the beginning, God has always preferred an open floor plan. So you have this verse that kicks off our biblical narrative. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, we have this strange way of reading that that is probably not faithful to the desires and the dreams of the original author of this particular verse. In our minds, we compartmentalize heaven and earth. But that's not the way the original author wrote it, nor is that the way that God understood it, really. You have a large space called heaven and earth. There was access back and forth, earth to heaven and heaven to earth. And God could just as easily be one place or the other. Remember, early in the Genesis narrative, God can be spotted walking. And perhaps it's something that God wanted to do and did do all the time. Just goes walking through the garden. Perhaps even expecting, anticipating that someone, Adam or Eve, would walk with God on one of those long walks through 
heaven and earth. If you keep reading in the Genesis narrative, you watch, you watch how this open floor plan gets more closed, more compartmentalized. Little bit at a time, the people seem to intentionally put some separation and some distance between people and God. And God seems to allow for it to take place. Rather than be coercive, rather than force God's will and say, oh no, oh no, I'm not gonna let you put this distance between us, God seems to be willing to allow mankind to put more and more walls between mankind and God. More and more structures, more and more buildings between God and humanity. The Tower of Babel seems to be the end of a very painful 11-chapter stretch. The people actually move away from God. This is us, God, trying to posture ourselves and angle ourselves away from you. We'll take it from here kind of a thing. And so you have at the end of chapter 11, the heavens over here and the earth over here. Mankind had successfully created a closed floor plan. Now, did God give up? No, in the very next chapter, God reaches out to a person, a Brahm that would become Abraham, and says to Abraham, hey, through you, now again, Middendorf Revised Standard Version here, through you and through your descendants, we're gonna try to figure out a way to bring all of this back together again. To at least create some sort of passageway so that there can be access, heaven to earth, earth to heaven, God to humanity, humanity to God. There came a point in time that there would be this temple, a place where God would be understood as uh, dwelling. God would dwell in this temple. And this temple would be understood as something of a passageway, like the very thin, small place where there would be some overlap now between heaven and earth, where mankind would have access to God and God would have access to all of humanity. The temple, the temple. And then this crazy person named Jesus comes along and describes himself, if you'll remember, as a temple. What Jesus was saying there is significant. What Jesus is saying there is this. I am now going to be the means whereby God can have access to humanity and humanity can have access to God. I will be that small place of overlap to try and somehow, to somehow bring back together that which was created together, but then humanity drove apart, the heaven and the earth. Now let's flip to the other end of the book. You have this huge struggle, huge, huge, huge struggle but a huge struggle that we understand has really largely been won. We're still living out and implementing and announcing this victory that we have in the resurrected Christ, but there is still some struggle to be had, and you can kind of see an artistic rendition of this huge struggle throughout these chapters in the book of Revelation. And chapter 20 is in, it's incredibly difficult, and I'm gonna really grossly oversimplify and tell you what happens here at the end of chapter 20. At the end of chapter 20, death itself, this is kind of a turn of a phrase, but watch this. At the end of chapter 20, death itself is killed. 
And the ultimate enemy of faith is completely vanquished, clearing the opportunity for this incredible reunification between heaven and earth. In other words, what you have at the end of chapter 20 and now at the beginning of chapter 21 is all of creation coming full circle. What was created to be together, heaven and earth, is now going to be reunified in chapter 21 and 22, heaven and earth, where God has complete, total access to humanity and where humanity has complete and total access to God. Now, what happens in chapter 21? It's an artist's rendition of what is going to happen. We're certain of it, we're sure of it, but we're still kind of living in this in-between time, but we are headed to chapter 21. That's why it's significant when it says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth, that division, all of that segmented, that closed floor plan had passed away, and the sea was no more. Well, that's interesting. If you enjoy the sea, you're disappointed in this, but this is kind of what this means here. The sea, large bodies of water, those were great sources of fear and anxiety for the ancient believers because you just thought something was evil that lurked just beneath the surface, and all of that Worry, anxiety, anguish, fear is now gone. Verse 2, and I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, you talk about unification now, adorned for her husband. I want us to read these verses and consider Consider what they're saying and allow these verses, again, we say this periodically, to challenge perhaps what your expectations are as it has to do with the second coming or what I kind of prefer God's completion of what God started. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, see, an open floor plan is better. (laughs) The home of God is among mortals. He will dwell, such an incredible word. He will dwell with them as their God, and they will be his peoples, and God himself will be with them. Two things here, two words I want to draw your attention to. There's some pretty important, significant things happening in this verse. He will dwell. He will dwell, or Perhaps the word could have been, he will tabernacle, or another way to say it, he will pitch his tent here and live with, in the same kind of way that we hear in John 1, where Christ is described as God, the Son of God, who came and tabernacled among us. God came here. God is always coming here. God's final move will be to come here in such completion that it will completely reunify all of creation. There will not be heaven and earth, but it will be heaven and earth. Okay. And here's where it starts to be maybe perhaps a little more personal for us. This next uh, phrase, they will be his peoples, that's actually borrowed from the book of Ezekiel. And in that particular place in the book of Ezekiel, there was also, in those pages, way back when, there was a prophet who was forecasting, someday, 
God will restore all of God's people. It was singular all the way back in the book of Ezekiel. In other words, good prophet though he was, Ezekiel had in mind that this would be an ethnic gathering and restoration. One kind of person, one kind of people. But God's dream is bigger than one kind of people. God's dream is bigger than one kind of person. And so very intentionally, the author here, borrowing as he is from the book of Ezekiel, is saying, you remember it said people, but watch this. God says, they all will be God's peoples. God likes an open floor plan. God likes an open floor plan and God wants us to like that same open floor plan. All right, yep, be on your guard because this is where perhaps it starts to get tougher for us. I will ask you, not so much about your house or where you live, but as it has to do with this structure that we understand to be the kingdom of God, populated as it is by the people of God, what kind of floor plan do you prefer? Do you like an open floor plan? Or do you prefer a more closed floor plan where God has a people? Or are you okay with God having peoples? Peoples. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. Death will be no more. Mourning and crying and pain will be no more. All of that is gone, as you can see in chapter 20. And the one who is seated on the throne said, I am renovating. <laughs> I am making all things new. Verse 6, then he said to me, and now it's done. I am the original design, alpha, and the ultimate design, omega, the beginning and the end. So I met with Dr. Tashin this week, as I do every week, week and, I, and I've studied this book and I've studied this passage for a, a long time. And I said, okay, Dr. Tashin, I kind of get the alpha part and I kind of get the omega part. What I don't get is the middle part. What, what is being said there about the middle part? And what he said was fascinating to me. That's us. We are a part of moving from alpha to omega. In our faithful announcing, in our faithful implementing, we are partnering with God to move things toward this omega, unless we aren't. Unless we aren't. Because there is some evidence in the biblical narrative and then beyond that sometimes it's the people of God who don't quite have the vision for the breadth of the kingdom that God wants us to have. Is your kingdom vision broad enough? Here's how I'm asking it today. Do you really like an open floor plan? Or do you, like so many other people, it's okay, or do you, like so many other people, have a perhaps a somewhat open floor plan, but you have some walls in some very specific places 
Another passage that I could have preached from today, and I'm just going to sort of walk us through the story, is Acts chapter 11. Verse 2. <laughs> Actually, first verse. Now the apostles and the believers who were in Judea heard that the Gentiles had also accepted the word of God. So we've already kind of, the gospel's already spilled over these boundaries of ethnic particularity. The Gentiles, the outsiders. Anytime you hear the word Gentile, you probably could safely substitute the outsiders, the not supposed to be here people. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him saying, why did you go to uncircumcised men and eat with them? I will ask you right now to pray for Jason Smith. This is Jason's preaching passage to the teens on Wednesday night. Amen. <laughs> but the believing people were asking Peter, why did you go beyond the boundary? Do you not know who we are? Perhaps more importantly, do you not know who they are? You went and ate with them like you were friends. Explain yourself. Peter said, okay, I want you to read Acts chapter 10. <laughs> Peter began to explain it to them step by step, saying, okay, I was on top of this building and I was praying. You remember this story? I was on top of this building and I was praying. I had a dream or a vision or something, I don't know, but it, in this dream or vision, whatever it was, I see this sheet being lowered down from the heavens, and it was full of all kinds of dirty animals that we're not supposed to touch or eat. And God said to me, Simon Peter, get up, kill, and eat. Simon Peter's response to God was, I can't do it, God, I'm religious. By no means, Lord, for nothing profane or unclean has ever entered my mouth. But a second time, the voice answered from heaven, hang on. What God has clean, you must not call profane. Simon Peter, time for you to have a vision for a floor plan that's more open than it is right now. This happened three times. And then everything was pulled up again to heaven, and at that very moment, three men sent to me from Caesarea arrived at the house where we were, and the Spirit told me to go with them and not to make a distinction, and not to make a distinction between them and us. So he goes with them, and he begins to speak to them. And as he began to speak, the Holy Spirit fell upon them, just as it had been upon us at the beginning. And I remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said, John baptized with water, but you will be baptized, baptized by the Holy Spirit. If then, if then God gave them the same gift that he gave us when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I that I could hinder God? hinder what God was trying to do in taking down walls, in creating a more open floor plan. Who was I, said Simon Peter, that I would stop what God was trying to do? Verse 18, and when they heard this, they were silenced, and they praised God saying, wow, 
than God has given even to the Gentiles the repentance that leads to life. Simon Peter, you're going to play an important role in the movement of the church. Simon Peter, you're going to play an important role in the movement of the kingdom. Simon Peter, I really need you to do some demolishing. Simon Peter, I need you to try as best you can to tap into my vision for what this kingdom could look like. Simon Peter, this kingdom has a more open floor plan than what you're comfortable with. And I need you to go ahead and take down those walls anyway. Yesterday, your your board met for a, a mini retreat. As far as retreats go, it was a very meaningful day, but as far as uh, exotic destinations, it was about the lamest thing ever because we met here. But we met here for about six hours, and we, we did a little bit of business at first, but then we spent the rest of the time asking these questions. Will our children and grandchildren go to church here? How do we need to change in order to be a meaningful community of faith tomorrow, a year from now, five years from now, 10, 20 years from now? We're reading a book by a guy named Todd Bolsinger called Canoeing the Mountains. Canoeing the Mountains. It's about the Lewis and Clark expedition and Lewis and Clark's expectation that the western part of the United States would be the United States would be just like the eastern part of the United States and you need canoes to travel around in the eastern part of the United States so surely that's exactly how the western part will be too except they didn't know about oh the Rockies so they recognized at some point during that journey to the western side that they're going to need something other than a canoe to get where they needed to go. And sometimes pastors and churches and church boards have to ask a similar question. We know what got us here, but is what got us here going to get us there? And so we asked the question, okay, if God, you're going to lead us somewhere else, we're going to need a different vehicle or mode of transportation, help us at least to understand what it is that is, a, is in the category of a non-negotiable. No matter what happens, we're going to take this with us. And in the course of that conversation, we just asked a pretty simple question. Okay. All right, church board. Had a couple of pastors in the room too. Who are we? In eight words or less, in eight words or less, come up with a phrase that describes who we are. This is, this is that uh, board And you can't read it, so I'm going to read some of them to you. And here's what your church board said. In trying to describe who we are, kind of what we do, love first at all cost. We embody love for all within our local community. Intentionally seeking to tangibly love everyone in the neighborhood. We suffer love for God, others, and the world. We practice friendship with God, others, and the world. We love all and any to know and then to be known 
We are engaging the questions that free Christ loves. We love people like God loves them. We love others enabled by God's love for us. Love has no boundaries. Love others without judgment. Love of Jesus for us and for all. Can, can you sense a theme? Well, let's talk about this for a minute. I am thrilled. That is the right answer. However we sort of head into God's future, we recognize that we must always, always be the people known to love as God loves. But I want us to remember who all we're talking about. There was interest around the table yesterday that on into God's future that we would be a broader and broader and broader representation of the breadth of the kingdom. A more open floor plan, as it were. More and more and more open. Open, broad enough and wide enough that it can be multi-ethnic, right? That people from all kinds of places all over the planet might find a home here. People of differing opinions. But I do want to bring us back to the important work that churches do. The important work that we are enabled to do as people who are loved first. Does everybody recognize that this broader expression of who we are will include the people with whom you disagree? There's a reason we say around here that love the way Christ embodies it is love for enemies and opposites and irritants. Who is it that's hardest for you to love? Who, who is it that perhaps doesn't feel as welcome as we wish he or she would feel? Man, there's a group of people that are on my mind and heart. I hope that we can be a church for some of the folks who frankly have left us because they thought we were too, I guess the word is liberal. Now, hear me. I'm not giving up any ground. We're gonna stay welcoming and hospitable. What I'm saying is it has to include people who are more conservative than us. Has to. Can I direct us back to our Facebook pages just for a minute and then I'll get out of the way? Man, some of you have really good opinions to share on Facebook and you share them horribly.
Some of you have really good opinions to share in your classes, in your small groups, really good opinions, and you share them horribly. If we are going to be hospitable, yeah, it is to the people on the margins. It's also to the people that we wish were on the margins. The people that we would shove to the margins. <laughs> if we are to be a broad and hospitable church, and that we have to be because open floor plan is where God is taking all of us, amen? That has to be the people with whom you deeply disagree. The people who are far to the left of you and far to the right of you. If it's not both, then it's not either. I am doing my own therapy right now. Because God has been clear to me. Who do you need to reach toward? Who are the folks that need to be perhaps welcomed back into these conversations, into the hallways? Yeah. Now again, not giving up any ground. Just not. Had a pastor reach out to me not too long ago from Louisiana. He's going to send his twin daughters here in the fall. And I was just so gratified to hear him say, yeah, uh, we know that you guys are, are reaching folks on the margins. We know that you guys are reaching folks in your community. In that same conversation, he says, but what do you believe about Scripture? <laughs> I said, a lot? <laughs> I think he was asking me, and it came at a good time for me, really, is everyone welcome? What about the folks who don't agree? What about the folks whose teeth are on edge? What about the folks who would have a completely different opinion? Are they welcome to? Let me say this to us again. I'm saying it to myself. If we can't find it in ourselves to be patient and hospitable to both sides, then I'm not sure we're actually being patient to either side or hospitable to either side. Can we be better on Facebook? Can we be better in classes and groups and in conversations? Can we allow nothing and no one else to set the agenda but this person and this particular kind of love who I think was willing to suffer from folks on either side? To him I love, this is my father's world. Oh, let me ne'er forget that though the wrong seems off so strong, God is the ruler yet. This is my father's world, the battle is not done. Jesus who died shall be satisfied. Remember this line, and earth and heaven be one. In the great in-between time, between Alpha and Omega, we're supposed to be doing the hard work of demolition creating a more and more and more open floor plan 
for folks, perhaps, who might set your teeth on edge. That's when the love of Christ shines through. But we will need to be nourished for that journey. So if you are helping us today, please come on down and help us to get ready for this meal. And Heavenly Father, bless these moments now. Bless these moments. And do nourish us, God. Encourage us. Help us, God. Help us, God, to be people who are, in fact, putting good skin and flesh on the breadth of hospitality we see demonstrated in the cross of Christ. God, remind us of the words of admonition delivered to the church in Ephesus all the way back in chapter two of the same book. Remind us, God, that we can grip, it is possible for us as believing people to grip our rightness so strongly that we just make our rightness into weapons Remind us that it seems to be the witness of God to this church in Ephesus that you can be so right that you can lose the capacity to love. May we never lose our capacity to love. But again, God, may we always define and then embody love according to the example that we rehearse each and every week in this space as we take into our hands and then into our bodies broken body and shed blood. Renew us in our courage. Renew us in our imagination. Renew us in our sense of purpose and intentionality that we would be people who love broadly destroying walls as we go. And may this place be a living testimony to the breadth the breadth of your kingdom. In a moment, I'm going to ask you to stand to your feet, exit your pews to the left, and come forward, all who want to. Nobody has to do this, but all who want to are invited to take part in this moment of communion. If you are going to participate, please exit your pew to the left and come forward, but come forward with your hands cupped to receive this like a gift because that's what it is. It's a gift of grace. You didn't earn it. You can't buy it. You can't steal it. This is coming to you as a gift, much like the grace and the love of God. As you approach someone holding a plate of bread, over here will be Mason who will snap off a piece and press it into your hand and say, this is the body of Christ broken for you. Don't eat it just yet, but take that piece of bread, dip it into the cup. Here will be my friend Mike who will say, this is the blood of Christ shed for you, and then take and eat. And then if you would, find a place to pray so that today we can do all we can to align ourselves with this kind of love, all we can to align ourselves. Perhaps you are in need of healing. It could be physical, mental, emotional familial, relational somehow. If you need a prayer for healing, come to one of these side padded altars and and someone will meet you there and anoint you with oil, pray that prayer of healing for you. If you wanna come to one of these mourner's benches or kneeling benches up front, we won't assume a thing, but at some point we'll come by and let you know that you're not alone. Not alone. You can circle right back around and sit at your seat and consider 
what you've heard, but please continue to pray. You might want to make a special trip here to the baptismal font. If you need to be reminded of the moment that you were included, and you were included in the movement of God, the people of God, then come and dip your fingers, just your fingers, please, (laughs) into this bowl of water, and may the chill of that water remind you of the moment, the moment of your baptism, your inclusion. If you can't come to us, then Jason and Katie will be coming to you. Just slip up a hand and they will find you. John, who is welcome, who is qualified to come to this table today? Well, in our tradition, all who understand their need for grace, their need for God's grace, no matter what your morning was like, no matter what this last week or month or year has been like, if you understand your need for grace, then this is the perfect place for you because grace can be found here. And you are welcome. It was on the night that he was betrayed that our Savior took bread and blessed it. And he broke it and he gave it to his disciples saying, this is my body broken for you. And every time you eat of it, including May 19th, 2019, every time, remember me. Later on, he would take the cup, hold it up before them and say, and this is my blood, the blood of a new covenant a new kind of love. And every time you drink of it, remember me, every time. Now all around the sanctuary, if you would, stand to your feet. Exit your pew to the left. Come forward with, these, with your hands cupped to receive these gifts of God meant for the people of God.